0: Welcome to the Science and Magic of Attitude. This episode is titled, Seven Empowering Ideas to Charge Up Your Life. You know, I can still see the newsroom, and it was the longest damn walk. From the entrance down the right side of this large room filled with about 70 journalists, and up the road to where my spot was at the table, We didn't have desks, only long rows of tables. My boss, a woman, yelled at me the whole time I was walking. It was excruciating. I was young and had no idea how to talk to her. Even if someone would have coached me and told me all the right things to say, it still wouldn't have worked. I had no self-confidence at the time. It had been driven out of me by the man I was married to. I didn't believe I had the right to tell her that she needed to stop that kind of behavior. It was unacceptable. If she was upset, she could speak with me privately and without yelling. Self-confidence is not something that vanishes never to return. We've all got it. It's just that sometimes it gets buried. And if you're shaking your head thinking you know someone who never had it, or you're even feeling like you've lost some of your own, well, I respectfully disagree. Can you remember when you were five years old? Younger, a little bit older? All children, unless they're in very difficult circumstances, have self-confidence and therefore self-esteem. It's inherent in who we are. To damage it, someone or something has to suppress it enough for us to start doubting who we are. Almost everyone has doubts, from rock stars and super athletes to famous authors and ultra-rich tech moguls. The point is, it's natural to feel raw sometimes, or feel as if you haven't the tools you need to speak up and stand out. Let's look at how we can start reclaiming confidence, because absolutely no one I mean, no one has the right to take it away from you. Anyone who does, teacher, parent, partner, spouse, lover, friend, is not someone you need in your life. Those who care about us are our cheerleaders. Those who tear us down in order to look or feel good need to be moved to the fringes of our relationships or out altogether because they're toxic. We don't need that kind of energy in our lives. So idea number one, let's start with the conversation we're having with ourselves. We may be driving, running, washing dishes, or walking into a boardroom. <coughs> and we're having this dialogue, 600, 800 words per minute. Trouble is, instead of giving ourselves a verbal pat on the back for enduring or working hard or surviving, we usually rim- remind ourselves of something that didn't work and how stupid we are that we still don't get something right. You know, maybe we're even telling ourselves we're going to screw up in the meeting. And of course, that has to stop. Sometimes we're our worst enemies and the ones we have to work on. Author Dr. Daniel Amen warns us about ants, Automatic Negative Thought Syndrome. You've heard me talk about them before, but this is allowing negative thoughts free reign over our minds and our lives. Now, if we're at a picnic and somebody freaks out over one little ant, we would think they're a little bit silly, but if you multiply the number by 50, then there's reason for concern. Same things happen with our conversation to ourselves. One negative thought can't do much damage, but multiply it by 50 and we're conditioning ourselves for failure. Our job is to argue against the negative and replace it with positive instead. So if I said to myself, I can't believe I'm such an imbecile, I still can't get up and make a presentation without sweating and looking ill. I'll never get ahead in this company. I might as well quit. The argument should be, or one argument could be, yep, I blew it. You know, I learn every time I mess up though. I made eye contact this time and I really tried. I think I'm starting to improve. Idea number two, really ask yourself where the voice you're hearing, you know, the negative voice comes from. You can silence or turn down the volume on the voice. See yourself doing just that. Tell the voice you don't need it anymore. You're moving on. Where do negative thoughts and beliefs come from? Well, so often they come from a teacher, or a professor, or a parent. We hold on to them without realizing it. And they're on a continuous loop we're playing habitually until we go in and create some psychological changes. You know, just realizing we're thinking something negative and stopping the cycle is a great improvement. You can also say stop or cancel clear when you start to think something negative. You can snap your finger. Another strategy is actually to say freeze Look at your body language and what you're saying and change both the body language and your thoughts. And by body language, I mean have arms open um, rather than everything closed off. Idea three, pay attention that you aren't expecting failure or disappointments. Watch out for self-fulfilling prophecies. I mean, they can be wonderful. As in the case of Roger Bannister, he was the first man to break the four-minute mile because he believed he could do it. Nobody else believed it was possible humanly possible for a man to run under four minutes until Bannister ran a four-minute mile. Well, after that, dozens of runners, listen to this, the same month run because Bannister had psychologically broken the four-minute mile barrier. They just had to have somebody prove it to them before they could start believing. We do the same thing with negative beliefs. We're so sure we're not going to do something right that we talk ourselves into failing And then we respond, I knew I couldn't do it. We have to remember not to argue for our limitations. Number four idea, where you're putting your focus is important. Have you ever noticed that if you've got a toothache or a headache, all you can seem to be able to do or think about is focus on the pain? Or let's say there's construction going on outside your office or your home. All you can do is focus on the drilling or the incessant noise. It doesn't allow you to think. And, you know, it doesn't matter if you're a CEO of a multi-million dollar company or this is your first job. Have you ever noticed that when you're worried about something, you continually put your attention and focus on the problem, which, of course, brings more of whatever you don't want into your life? We all do this. It's called being human. And it's absolutely the antithesis of what we should be doing if we're trying to resolve any kind of challenge. By putting our energy and attention into what we don't want, we guarantee it won't get resolved anytime soon. Attention's like a spotlight, but it illuminates streams into our mind and shapes our brain. Developing greater control over our attention is perhaps the single most powerful way to reshape how we think, according to doctors Rich Hansen and Richard Mendias, authors of Buddhist Brain. Now, on the other hand, when we focus on what we want, relax and let go of the incredible amount of energy it takes to hold on to worry, fear, or anger, we're well on our way to finding solutions. Think about what happens when you let go of worry and allow yourself to focus on what you want the outcome to be instead. You know, Maybe you just went to bed and quit thinking about it, or watched something on Netflix and forgot about it for two hours, or did something else that just totally erased your concern. Later, you picked your problem back up with renewed energy and possibly even had a solution when you let go of thinking about it and giving it your undivided attention. There's a quote in the Book of Miracles that says, every decision you make stems from what you think you are and represents the value that you put upon yourself. Can I repeat that? Every decision you make stems from what you think you are and represents the value that you put on yourself. So if we strategically look at how to change a current dilemma or problem, a great place to start is simply backing off from it and then examining what you're putting your attention on, what you're thinking about. You know, it's been said we have a dialogue 600 to 800 words a minute, and we're usually focusing on putting our attention on what we think we're doing incorrect or dwelling on the mistake we made earlier today or maybe even 25 years ago. So look at the times we're wasting for fun. Think of how much time you might waste during the day putting your attention on what you're worried about or what you're annoyed with. Let's say you're the unique individual who really seldom worries, so it's only 10 minutes during the whole day that you're worrying about something and that's not much. Now add that 10 minutes times 23, the number of average workdays during the month. I'm not even talking about days off. Now let's say you did that and came up with 230 minutes. Now multiply that times 12 for the number of months during the year and you've lost, once you divide the average number of minutes in a workday 480, about 5.75 days per year from worry. Think of the amazing things you could do with almost six days worry-free. If you can put that kind of unintentional energy into worry, then think what happens if you intentionally focus on what you want to accomplish and start to let go of holding on to something ineffective. You can relax, allow your talents and abilities to shine. Think about it. Have you ever chosen to just let go of worrying about something? And the answer came to you, or in some inexplicable way, the problem was solved. Idea five, pay attention to your emotional triggers. We know emotion runs the show, which is why Madison Avenue knows the foundation of all advertising lies in reaching us emotionally. That's also why fear is such a strong deterrent, paralyzing us from taking action and making logical and rational decisions when in a crisis. Think about what you want to accomplish or the solution you want. Imagine the feeling associated with that success and focus on that image, expanding it. Okay, got that? Think of now your favorite theater in town with the image of your success up on that screen in living color. When you're focused on one thing with feeling, it's impossible to be focused on something negative at the same time, giving yourself the needed break to create the results you need and remembering how unique you really are. Idea six, remember every success starts with our belief and our ability to create it. Find beliefs that you want and need to succeed and then install them into your consciousness. See what you want so clearly it feels like it's already here and you'll start creating it from a cellular level on up. We see what we believe our choices are. Isn't that amazing? Psychologically, the term used to describe this phenomenon is inattentional blindness. Lack of attention to an unexpected object. In other words, we see what we're looking for or expect to see, and we miss everything else. Think of beliefs as something you can try on. It's not either or or. See if believing a particular thing works for you and feels good. You know, if not, discard it like you would anything you try on at a store. If it doesn't fit just right, you won't take it. But you don't know until you try it on. Our beliefs encourage us to pay no attention to opportunities or alternatives when we're conditioned to deny the existence of other information. It was Helen Keller who said, how sad people had 20-20 eyesight and no vision. Use your intelligence to continually see what you want, as if you already have it. And finally, idea number seven, consider alternatives allowing your amazing talents to continue to shine and grow no matter what your age, experience, education or successes comes when you're continually open to alternatives think of a large expanding box the borders or walls around this box represents our beliefs about what is and isn't possible in other words our realities You might have an incredible vision of your future, or it may be limited to some extent. Regardless, our successes are limited only by our beliefs of what is and is not possible. Remember, change our beliefs, and we change the scope of what we can and can't achieve. There was an old song many years ago, and I probably mentioned it before because I think it's very powerful. It was sung by Dinah Washington, and it was called, What a Difference a Day Makes. It's all about finding love and how life changed, but the same philosophy as ours. What a difference a day makes when we meet one new person, come up with one new idea, have one person change their views or offer their help and try on an idea that works. We have absolutely no idea around what's the next corner. And yet when we're open to continually learning, all we need is to show up. and We can create miracles and more. Thank you for listening. If you like this, please share it with others and email me at jennifer at m-a-g-i-c-c-o-m-m dot com. Until next time, I challenge you to remember we have the power to choose how we want to think, regardless of what's happening around us. Stay safe and healthy.